but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. All right, everyone, and welcome once again to Safe Place for Men. All right, this is Thomas Edward, your male survivor and resiliency leadership and development coach, coming to you, of course, from Sacramento, California. All right, thanks for the ideas about uh, working with the squirrels <laughs> out there. Uh, what I ended up doing was, you know, getting like some peppermint oil and um, putting it in like a little thing and kind of spraying on some of the plants, you know. I don't know. Uh, it seems to maybe keep them away just a little bit, but, you know, it's kind of like if if they want to go through it, you know, they'll go through it to get to whatever it is that they, they kind of want to. So somebody told me I should just get a dog. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> for me, that kind of complicates it just a little bit more. But uh, thank you so much for the suggestions. So I'll keep trying those, and we will see what happens and how they work. I'll let you guys know how they are coming. All right, so it's Friday. Yes, you're like, okay, what's up, Thomas? You're a little bit late today. But, yeah, um, getting things ready. So the next course, right, Course in Coaching is coming up April 19th. So that is Monday. So the next cohort, uh, get ready to start. So I'm going to tell you this is the chance if you want to be there, if you want to do it four weeks, you know, going through the course as we talk about, you know, working through it and defining it. And then, of course, we have the live group coaching. Then, hey, get yourself on there. Uh, sign up for it so you can be a participant in this. So what I'm going to do today, uh, I'm just going to share with you a little bit. So uh, a few things. I've had a couple of coaching sessions, you know, over the past few days, which have been, you know, exciting. Of course, you guys know I love to, to coach. So uh, for me, it is it is great, but I always call them just powerful conversations, right? And so, you know, what I like to do is if you're going to work with me, I, I want you to, um, you know, we just, we do a session, we do an actual coaching session so you know what it's like to work with me so we can powerfully coach you as much as possible and then you can decide, you know, if that's what you want to do. And so I was working with, uh, with someone, they were trying their, their first, if you want to say, you know, coaching session with me. And, and so, you know, as we were working through things, there were certain things that, you know, came up for this individual and for this person. And he was saying, you know, well, I don't know. He's like, you know, I see you got this course coming up and I don't know if I should do the course and stuff. I'm like, okay, so let's just talk about it a little bit. And so what I noticed is, is that as we were talking and as I was asking, you know, these questions for him to ponder and to think about, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that uh, this individual as a survivor had not found his language to connect with what happened to him. And this is really key. And of course, this is for those of you that, you know, uh, will be coming on board, whatever, on money. This is really key. This is the first one defining it. And I could see how his world was um, so challenging and how his world was just kind of turned upside down. And it was nebulous because he couldn't really nail anything down because he didn't have language to connect with that defined what happened to him. 
right? And I was just like, wow, this is. And so as I start, you know, sharing with these things, and I was breaking it and breaking it down, and we had our whiteboard out because I always like to use um, my whiteboard so you can see things from a visual perspective, you know, so your brain can, you know, start connecting the dots and putting those things together. And he started to to realize as we were in this conversation that every time we talked about whatever this language, he would avoid either <laughs> defining or naming whatever it is that happened to him. And I said, so uh, are you feeling frustrated? He's like, yeah, and I can't figure out. I said, and that's because you haven't found the language to connect with what happened to you, right? And it doesn't have to be like just one word. That's one thing I was, I was sharing with him. But I'm like, when you don't have a, a definition, if you don't have a reference point from somewhere to start from, it makes it really difficult to figure out where you're going, how you're going to get there, right, and where you want to be at the end of it. And you guys know I am a big uh, person when, it, when we're talking about uh, measurement. And so for, for me, if we're going to be progressing forward, we've got to have a baseline. We've got to have a reference point so that you can look back and actually see how far you've actually come and how much progress that you've actually made. And so that's really important for me that if you're going to manage it, you got to be able to measure it, right? So that's one of the reasons when I'm working, you know, with individuals, uh, that that's the way that I work from. Because like I said, I don't want you sitting there five, six, seven, ten years, and then when you get to the end and you can't even determine where you started at, how much you've learned, how far you've come, right? To me, that's got to be even more frustrating. And I know a lot of guys, uh, when they work with me, that has been their experience with whatever modality that they're working with is that they're like, oh, I don't even know where I am, but I know I've been going for whatever five years. Not here, people. <laughs> All right. So anyways, as I was, as I was sharing with, with him, and he was just sharing some, some different type of things, and he was just talking about, you know, oftentimes as uh, male survivors of sexual abuse, you know, the feelings. And so we often have these feelings of uh, feeling dirty, right, feeling dirty. And like I always call it the mark of Cain, like everyone can see this this dirt or filth on us. And so oftentimes we might feel, you know, disgusting, you know, oh, this perverted thing that happened to me, right? I now actually become, if you want to say that identity. So I take on that. And so now I think that I'm the one who is perverted. And it's interesting because I was using um, uh, the analogy and, and this is really true for oftentimes for us as survivors. And I call it the, the backseat driver syndrome, right? Now, I think we all know what backseat drivers are, correct? Okay, so those are the people that, you know, you're sitting and they're sitting in the back and you're trying to get to your destination, right? And, and they're telling you that you're going too fast or you're going too slow or you didn't make a right at that corner like you were supposed to, uh, you know, whatever, didn't make a left or you didn't park properly, whatever. They're not the ones driving, but they're the ones that are, of course, telling you how you should be driving, now, I want you to think about this from the abuse perspective because I run into this so many times when I'm working with survivors. So oftentimes as survivors, that's us. We are the backseat drivers when it comes to judgment. And this is what I mean. So what we're doing is we're sitting in the back seat, and we're judging. We're going to say that child, that adolescent, whatever, at the age who's trying to drive the car. 
Now, when you think about a child driving a car, for one, they probably can't even reach the pedal. They can't reach the brakes. They can't really steer the car. They can't even see over the steering wheel. They can't even turn the ignition on. They have no idea how the car even operates. And so what would be your expectation of that child for driving that car? He's like, well, no, I don't have any expectations because I don't expect them to be able to, to, to drive the car. Okay, now here's the thing. So that child that is sitting in the front seat trying to drive the car is you when the abuse happened. So think about that when the abuse happened. How much information did you have trying to drive that car, understanding the abuse, understanding what was going on? And yet as adults, we're sitting back here as backseat drivers, judging that little child that we were, saying that why didn't you? You should have backseat driving. That's really powerful when we talk about that and understanding that, I'm going to say, that picture. And it's like until we get to the point of seeing that and understanding that, it also makes recovery for us really difficult, right? And so I was just sharing this with him like just in, in one session. He was like, he was like, whoa, he's like, I am just blown away. He's like, I'm just blown away. He said, he says, I know I'm young and he is, he's, he's a young and I, kudos, kudos to my young folks out there that if you're figuring out there's like, you know, something's going on, something's wrong. And I don't want to be sitting here for 15, 20 years not living a fulfilled, happy life because I decided not to do anything about this. And that was one of the compliments that I actually gave him. All right. So here was another thing that we kind of talked about um, in our in our session uh, with him. I was just like I said, I was just trying to coach him powerfully. So he get in ideas like, look, if you're going to work with me, uh, this is how I come. This is how I come. Compassion and mercy. But dude, I'm coming. I'm coming strong. Right. And so we were talking about um, uh, the voice. Oftentimes, many of us are living with the voice of the abuser in our heads, in our minds, in our psyche years later. And the voice of that abuser often is keeping us from doing certain things. And I've even shared that, you know, with you guys, um, you know, um, in working through some of, of, of my issues and you know, and one of the the sexual abuse where the you know the abuser the perpetrator says, "Oh, you know, we can't, you can't tell anybody because if you tell, right, well, this is what's going to happen, and you're going to be treated this way, okay, and they're not going to believe you, and then they're going to think that it's it's your fault, right? And so, of course, as you're telling that as a as a child, and of course, we all want to be loved, we all want to belong, right? Well, for a child, I'm, of course, I'm not going to, you know, as children, we want attention when well, we are the, the center of the universe, at least for us. And so I'm not going to do anything, of course, that will either cause, you know, your parents to be angry at you or to not talk to you, you know, to, to not love you. But what happens is so many times that voice of the abuser goes, of course, beyond the abuse at that age. And we're still living with that voice today. Okay. And I am a testament of that. I mean, I, I know I, I still have certain things that I can even think of that the voice of the abuser comes up, comes up for me. And I'm always having to, 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 to fight it and work with it because it just comes in different, different ways, ways that we don't even think about. And so they come in the form, I'm going to say of low self-esteem or, or limiting beliefs that we take in from that, that we actually 
believe. So that's that's really important too. All right. So let's see. What else did we count? Oh, here was another powerful, powerful thing. So I was working um, also this week, and that's why I said it's been a little bit of a busy week, which is great because I want to be busy. That's great. And so I was working with a couple. And so a couple, of course, where, you know, we have the husband and He's trying to figure out some of these things. And so, like we said, the limiting beliefs and things are, are there from the abuse that has taken place, of course, you know, in, in the past. And here's the thing. It's like, why, why do we need, you know, say, coaches or other people uh, to help us? Now, this is one thing. If, if you work with me out, out, one of the things I will tell you right away before I even start coaching you, I am not here to make you feel comfortable. Okay. I'm actually here to do the opposite. I'm here to actually make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because that's where the growth starts to take place. All right, so I was working with this 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 husband and and wife, and so we get to this point, and I can tell that he's you know he's just kind of he's kind of denying these things. He doesn't really want to you know admit what's what's going on, and so we're talking about you know the possibility of just making some some changes, whatever, in, in certain areas, you know, and if he would be, you know, amenable, whatever, to that. And so as I asked him, okay, so so what's what's the what's the issue around the change? I said making this change. Is the change difficult or is the change scary? All right. And, of course, you know, he's it's sitting there, of course, with his wife and we're there on, uh, on Zoom, right? And so, you know, he's trying to play it off like he's cool and like, you know, nothing's going to hurt him like he's invincible. And, you know, and so he's coming up with all these different ideas. And so, of course, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Right. Supportively listening. And he says, well, you know, it's not really that it's difficult. Um, He says, I I probably would say more like it's challenging. I said, "Okay." So, you know, I looked at him as you know, straight in the face as I could, of course, there on Zoom. And then I said to him, okay, so it's not difficult. So I said, so is it challenging or scary? <laughs> all right, so you know, so all I did was I just took the next word, difficult. To me, difficult, challenging are kind of the same thing. And uh, so I, what I wanted him to, to say, and not really wanted, wanted him to say, but I wanted him to to see and understand that all the things that he was the coming up with, which were excuses and things. And I didn't say what the excuses were really because he was afraid. He was afraid of, of, uh, of the change. And so, uh, you know, um, and I told him, I said, you know, you don't have to, to decide now. You guys know me when I ask questions, usually the way I think, well, why can't it be both? Right. But the idea was in these situations, sometimes we have to understand what is the prioritization so it can be both. It could be it's both challenging and scary. But if scary is the priority, okay, challenging or difficult really doesn't matter until we address, I'm going to say, the fear or the scary part of it. And so, of course, after the coaching session, he finally, he finally, he finally realized that. And, you know, and he kind of, kind of fesses up. And then he sends me a, a, an email right afterwards, after the session with him and his wife. And he's like, he's like, yo. He's like, that was some powerful coaching. He's like, he's like, thank you, you know, so much, you know, first for allowing me that space. But then also he says, 
it kind of holding me to the task and having me to, to bring that forward. And I was like, oh, I'm like, bro, that's what coaching is about. That's what, what we do. All right. So I'm like, all right, so go and start you know, working on your changes for, uh, for next week for our next session, and we'll talk about it then. So, so that was pretty cool. You know, another thing uh, we've kind of talked about a little bit, um, at least in sessions uh, this week, have been understanding also that sometimes we need to realize, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say mental health labels, that unless like you've had like a diagnosis or, or something like that, that we have to be careful, I'm going to say, what we buy into or the labels that we possibly might buy into. Um, I've worked with individuals, and so, you know, they've worked whether with someone and they've named whatever and given them kind of, I'm going to say, the stigma, this title, this label. And there's nothing wrong with the label, but if I use the, the label in such a way that it holds me back, then maybe I need to get rid of that label. Okay. Because the labels actually may be preventing me from actually healing and moving forward because I'm now buying into saying, well, but there's no way that I can change. There's no way because that's just who I am. Right. And I tell people, well, no, that doesn't mean that's who you are. Uh, maybe it just means that you're a person who needs medication. Okay. And so we take whatever the medication to get the brain chemistry, whatever, correct. But then we keep working, right? We keep working and we keep coaching it. Those different type of uh, things, so that's really important. And I think the the last thing that we kind of we coached and, and we talked about was that how trauma actually disconnects us. Of course, not only from others, but it really disconnects us from ourselves. And that's really one of the key things. And to me, that's why it's one of the reasons it's important to actually work with with someone uh, with others. And it's one of the reasons that I love. As I said, creating the family and doing this in groups um, as we come together, like we're going to hopefully, you know, be doing here. I'm starting on Monday because it's through other people that I'm going to say we see the reflection in the mirror. They reflect back to us what we're putting out there. And that gives us an opportunity to be able to see ourselves just a little bit better. But that's the thing about trauma. It disconnects us from others because we're thinking that we are all alone. We're thinking that we are the only ones. And so when we're out there by ourselves, then it's going to be difficult for us to, to find answers. And the reality is, like I, you guys know I say this all the time, that everything in the universe is interdependent. Everything depends on something else, the sun, the moon, stars, you know, earth rotation, titles, um, tides, titles, all those different type of things are, of course, dependent upon something else. Everything is interacting upon something else. And so when we deny that, when we deny that, I believe that we suffer and we suffer greatly, right? Because I'm going to say we're denying the way that we are wired. We're denying, if you want to say, the construct of of the way things are. <clears throat> and so that's kind of what that is. So that was kind of this, this week for the few sessions, whatever that I had, uh, just like I said, just sharing some of these things with you. And the reason I'm sharing them with you just to give you an opportunity to see 
to hear maybe a little bit of experience like what, like I said, a coaching session is, is like. So now this is for you. If you've been sitting on the fence, you've been listening through, let's just say, all 76 episodes, whatever, of this podcast, and you're one of the, I'm going to say, the 3,000 and whatever downloads, but you still haven't made a choice. Okay. Then I'm going to ask you this question, right? How much does it take for you to make the next step? What will it take for you to make the next step? Here's a question I kind of run. I, I run when I first started. When I first start, and we have our first powerful, I'm going to say conversation, whatever you know. And let's say you know I'm I'm working with you. And so here's one of the things that I want you to to think about, and it kind of goes from this perspective. So I want you to think about this scenario. So, because I want to empower you to create a new life. Okay. So I'm going to ask you right now. What do you want to create? What do you want to create in your life? So here's a scenario. So imagine it's been two years, two years later, right? And we pass each other on the street. We bump into each other on the street, right? And so we've done some some work together. And you say, holy moly, Thomas, the last two years have been so amazing. Let me tell you about them. What would you say? Well, what would you say? So two years have passed since we've worked together, helping you to create whatever it is that you wanted to and working through the abuse. Maybe, you know, maybe it was like uh, and one of the individuals that I was working with, he's like, yeah, man, I just have this picture of, you know, having this wonderful person, you know, in my life to connect with this partner. And, you know, but I've got these things from the abuse that are keeping me and limiting from, he says, even attracting that person. And I was like, whoa, well, we can work with that, right? And so that's why, but first we got to, of course, define some, some things. But I want you to think about that. What do you want to create, right? And so if I see you uh, on the street, whatever, two years later, after whatever, working with you, what would you want to say that, yeah, the last two years have been amazing. Let me tell you about them. All right. So that's your assignment. <laughs> when you come up with your answer, you know where I am at, right? Safe place for men. You know exactly where I'm at. And if you decide that, you know what? I want to take a journey. I want to see what this is like. Okay, well, then jump in and start doing the course. We'll start doing the first one, of course, on Monday, which is, of course, um, working with abuse, but defining it. Um, so because once we define it, it's going to make our recovery so much easier. All right, guys, that is it for this Friday, right? You know, and it's okay to be a little bit, I'm going to say uh, late, especially when you're, you're doing good stuff and you're having some great, you know, coaching sessions. So I hope that somehow this inspires you, encourages you. Um, I know there, I think there are some people that have signed up, you know, already, and I'm looking forward to powerfully working with you so we can have some powerful conversations and that we can help you to create the life that you want to create. All right, guys, this is Thomas Edwards, Safe Place for Men. So remember, one, of course, that you are never alone. And also remember the one who's talking to you now. I know it's hard for you, but I'm going to use the L word, right? This person loves you. This person cares for 
you, right? If you want to find out how much, hey, come, come, come join us. And then remember, always be safe. All right, guys, until our next time.